In this episode, we're talking with the founder of The Kindness Couch, Candace Fraser, about nurturing ourselves with holistic self-care and self-compassion so that our children can grow to do the same. So, wondering what holistic self-care is and what that can look like in your already full life? Then this episode is for you. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their song lines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Now, I think many of us gathered here on these magical radio waves and the glorious interwebs might have suffered from a loss of identity and the ensuing negative self-talk from that loss when we unwittingly embarked on our own parenting journeys. Today, we're chatting with Candace Fraser, the founder of The Kindness Couch, and what she did when she found herself lost after entering parenthood and how that journey led her to become a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, a hypnotherapist, timeline therapist, emotional freedom technique or EFT practitioner, meditation teacher, certified coach practitioner and health and nutrition coach, and how now in turn she helps parents who find themselves on this same journey learn to practice holistic self-care so that our own children can grow to do the same. I think there is nothing more important than gifting our children those tools that can help them change the way that they perceive themselves. Can't wait to hear more from Candice. But before we start, if you're listening to this as this goes to air this week, it is the first day of the summer school holidays here in Queensland, and that can only mean one thing. Our holiday programs are open for business. Now, this week is actually sold out in Brisbane and we've chosen not to run them this week in the Sunshine Coast because that's the way we do business. But we do still have spaces available in Brizzy and on the Sunshine Coast in January. So if you'd like your children to experience adventurous play in nature, nurtured by our absolutely incredible team, just head to our website at wildlandsforestschool.com forward slash bookings to book online. But now let's hear from Candice. Welcome to the show, Candice. How are you going today? I'm great. Thank you, Nikki. How about yourself? I'm very well. We're on the tail end of uh, of the year. We finished up our term programs last week, so I feel like the mental load and the headspace is opening up just in time for the, the holiday madness. How, how are you going with the, the whole end of year madness? It's real. It's, it's very real. It's like the kids finish school, they're tired and emotional, which, you know, you're tired and emotional and it is a lot. <laughs> and it's like you get a, a few days break to just breathe before you go, oh, Christmas. All right. Yes. Let's let's yes. get cracking on that. <laughs> so first of all, to get us started, Candice, can you tell us a little bit about The Kindness Couch, what it is, what the work is that you do and what made you go out on your own? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I actually created the Kindness Couch uh, after I had my children. I had a corporate career that was going quite well, but I was so unfulfilled. And Mm. I had my children and honestly, I just felt like a fraud. I felt like an imposter in my own life. And I truly believe that I needed to set an example for my children. I want them to have a purpose-driven life. I want them to feel inspired in what they're doing. And I just was not demonstrating that at all at that point in time. So that really led to a a self-discovery journey, which then led me to becoming a meditation teacher, which you know when you know. You just (laughs) have that deep sense of, yep, this is me. This is what I am here to do. And I've gone on to study Mm. some extra modalities. So I do uh, the emotional freedom technique, tapping um, different Mm. NLP techniques, and I'm actually going on to study hypnotherapy. But meditation and mindfulness is the base of everything I do. When I discovered mm. self-compassion, that's when I discovered the niche of where I want to work, supporting women to live mindfully and compassionately really just means feeling connected to who you are and letting that bubble to the surface, choosing to live a life in line with your values in a mindful and compassionate, gentle way. And compassion has a strong back and a soft front. It's not all fluffy stuff. It's Yeah, it does. You know, you have that inner strength, that inner confidence through your spine, but a soft and gentle approach. So Mm, from there, yeah, I I thank you. (laughs) I like it. I love it. (laughs) So that's really how the Kindness Couch came about. And so I have local meditation classes and then I also run some small group programs online or one-on-one sessions with ladies. And I've recently started a home retreat box. So a monthly subscription box where you can have a home meditation retreat every month delivered to your door because we just don't think to do it. We don't think to to set the time. Like, so by having this package come to your door every month, it's like, okay, I'm taking a time out to do whatever that month is about. So we've got all different boxes. So we do gratitude or goal setting or mindful beauty, um, heart healing. So every month has a theme and we go through a ritual to do at home, a guided meditation, and then there's a few other bits and pieces in there. We do a monthly, or sorry, apologies, a daily shower ritual with some beautiful natural Reiki-infused soaps. And they're just Everything we do in those boxes is there to help connect to yourself as a reminder to to connect to who you are gently and compassionately. So that in a nutshell is what the Kindness Couch is, is about and I love it. I feel so blessed to do what I do. Honestly, those retreat boxes sound luscious and delicious not just for your body, but I love that you've enmeshed the the physical with the spiritual and the emotional work yes. as well. I, I love that that's a yes. holistic meditation yes. or retreat box. That's, oh, oh, yeah, that it's an experience. Delightful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm really trying to create the experience because it is experience. It's not the things, it's the 
intentionally going within. Yes. It's the intention yes, behind it. Yes, I think you just nailed it. it. Mm, yeah. And it's yeah. the physical so reminder coming in the mailbox yes. that absolutely. it's time to set those intentions and follow through with yeah. them. Really absolutely. And it's a different different theme each month so you can you don't have to overthink it. You can just try it and go, oh, that felt good or you know, that was interesting, but not quite for me. But there'll be different things that you'll do over and over and over again that really, really resonate with you and grow the parts of you that you want to grow. Mm, beautiful. Oh, I love it. And I'm finding that the silly things like Australia Post online shopping deadlines. Yeah. Or, oh, gosh, I've got these deadlines that were never really around in my life. Prior to children or prior to owning a business where I I do do a lot of my shopping online now, whether that's COVID habits or whatever it is, it's like, oh, gosh, there's these other little mini mental load deadlines as well that not that they're big, but the accumulation of, I think, a bunch of deadlines is... um, Absolutely. It's a way. Do you have any tips on, on that? How can we make the holiday time when you know I know at its at its heart us as we as parents really want to make this a time of memories I know that Mm, mm. how do we find that time to pause and to put the mental load down for a bit so that we can be aware of the of the gold and the magic that is happening in this time yeah because you're right there is so much magic happening and and things do Mm. accumulate and I guess our brain works in a way that when we're doing multiple things and we have those multiple mental loads going at once, our brain's really flicking between tabs. We're not able to concentrate on any one particular thing at a time. And that's where mindfulness comes in. And mindfulness, as we all know, is really just about being in that one moment, doing that one thing and and letting our awareness sit there and stay there, which is, of course, easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) But when we do that, we're finishing things more efficiently, effectively. We're not having to go back and fix up, you know, mistakes. I know when I'm got a lot on my plate and I do a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this and then I forget that I didn't finish that and that you know I didn't maybe do that up to to the standard but when I take the time and effort to remind myself that I'm choosing to be mindful I'm choosing to sit with this one task and complete it I'm completing things much quicker than than I was when I was doing three or four things on the boil And it means that I'm not feeling stressed, like those layers that we were just talking about, the things that accumulate and pile on, they're just not there. So I find when I'm mindful, I take the time to write a list. And so that's a mindful process in itself. It's I'm spending this time just writing this list. And then I go to the list and go, okay, I'm just doing this one thing. I'm just doing this one thing. It's so simple and yet my squirrel brain, I am starting to, I am beginning to wonder if I may have ADHD and I don't want to downplay anyone that has it, but I am wondering if I made a late diagnosis in my life. How as simple as that, is is this a, would you say, do you write a list every day no matter what or is this a when you're feeling the overwhelm, is this something that you go, I have this tool in my bag and I can write the list or is it a daily practice that you've started to help 
give yourself those tools? Yeah, it's absolutely a daily practice for me just because Mm -hmm. I find that when we do things when the weeks are, are less full on or less busy and we're less overwhelmed, they're the times that we really want to be establishing the habits because habits stick when we're not overwhelmed. So by having a daily practice, so I usually on a Sunday write out my list for the week and then I write my list for the day, usually the afternoon before the following day. That's just Mm -hmm. the habit that I'm in. But having that daily practice means that I stay in the routine. It means that I'm really committed to that practice. And expanding on mindfulness just a a touch. Um, Obviously, mindfulness, as we know, is about being in the moment and doing that one thing, but it's also about the attitude that you bring to the moment. It's it's an attitude of acceptance, of non-judgment, of compassion and softness. So by setting up those routines of, okay, this list is my reminder to bring in those intentions, to bring in those soft emotions to each of the items on that list, which otherwise I would forget about. If I was only writing my list once a week or once a month, I I would forget. I would get really caught up in, that's my list, that's what I've got to do. But by taking the time each day to, to set that list, I'm giving myself the opportunity to remind myself also about those other soft state-based components of mindfulness as well. Mm, I really like that. I um, was having a moment of overwhelm uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was around the time that we dropped the online course and we had three Mm. deadlines just Mm. accidentally, nobody's fault, they all merged at once. And it was just the to-do list was ridiculously long. None of of them more important than the other. They all needed to happen at the same time. None of them huge, but they all needed to be done. And Mm. and accidentally I found an old weekly planner because I've been using a daily to-do list, but the daily to-do list was excruciating because I was actually putting a week-long length of tasks on there and it just on seemed... On one day. On one just, day. And, yeah. It yep. just seemed insurmountable. So something as simple, exactly like you said, of planning out my... spreading my to-do list out over the week, which seems so simple, so basic, suddenly the overwhelm just dropped. And I'm like, gosh, this is such a simple thing and I guess you keep those habits though don't you because I've been doing that type of list my daily list but the daily list is all the things I write everything down so I don't forget them yeah so now changing it's still the same habit in a slightly different format gosh it's it's made me relax (laughs) and it is it's amazing how simple the things are that make the biggest impact it really is I think because things are quite simple, sometimes we we assume that oh, that's not going to work. That's that's too easy. I'm I'm not yeah. even going to bother trying. And it's like, well, no. If we do these few little things, everything changes. Yeah, it's literally the same list. They're it the is. same list, just spread yes. out in two different formats. Yeah. <laughs> and giving you the capacity then to to feel some peace, to not feel yeah. that overwhelm that we feel bogged under so often and that's not to say that there's still not going to be times when everything comes at once or yes can we talk to that yeah yeah absolutely because I think the uh, me personally and I'd love to hear your opinion on this I I don't believe in a work-life balance I believe that 
life is just a roller coaster and we have so little control over the mm. external things in the world that will come at us that no matter how well you balance your life, life just also not gets in the way, but life just happens. So Absolutely. how, how do, yeah, A, what's your opinion on that? And then B, how do we cope when it does get, there is a lot and it just happens and there's not much we can do about it? Yeah. I mean, when I I look at my meditation studies, that is the human experience. Mm. Like the human experience is imperfect. It is messy. It is that roller coaster. It's the up and down. It's knowing and understanding that there are going to be really hard things in life, mm. hard emotions, hard experiences, hard lessons to learn. But that is being human. That mm. is the experience. So, in part, understanding and really embracing that knowing. That in itself can really help navigate that. You know, you're not alone. You're not alone in this experience. Other people are experiencing fear or anger or resentment or jealousy or or whatever it is. It's quite normal to have those human experiences. And I think it's really, really important to to know that. And I think probably when we look at self-compassion, because that really is in my opinion, the biggest tool we can have in our toolkit to approach challenges in life, we're really focusing on the stories we're telling ourselves, the messages Mm. we're telling ourselves, the inner critic. So often we believe our inner critic. So when we're in the overwhelm, we're like, oh, this is too much. I can't do this. I'm not Mm. smart enough. I don't have time. All these excuses come out and we believe them. Yeah. But they're not true. So when we go, hang on a sec, I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. And understanding that our inner monologue, our inner critic is there to serve a purpose. It's there to help monitor our weaknesses. It's there to help keep us safe. It just does it in a really unconstructive way. It does yes. it in a way that <laughs> stops us rather than says, "Hey, hang on a sec, you haven't done this before." that's okay, let's try this and see what happens. So I think changing the tone and the voice of our inner monologue and our inner critic will really just benefit every area of our life. It really, really will. And then again, the mindfulness. So the mindfulness is seeing, again, with that attitude of no judgment, Mm. moving into that observer space Because we're not our emotions, we're not our thoughts, we're not all of those things. And practicing moving into the observer state helps us see clearly, it gives us that clarity. So, you know, on our to-do list, we might have a million things on there, but when we're mindful and step back and see clearly, we're like, well, that doesn't align with my values at all. Mm. I'm only doing that because I feel obliged to do it and it's not actually beneficial or, you know what, that's on my list because I'm in the habit of being busy for the sake of being busy <laughs> rather than Feeling because it's important. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, honestly, realising that I was being busy for the sake of being busy was the <laughs> biggest wake-up call in my life. I was. Someone said, it, said, said that um, quote to me once and I'm like, it's like a light bulb just went off and I'm like, 
Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I find it really difficult to just sit for more than a cup of tea unless I have a book in my hand or a pen in my hand or I, like, it's, there's still always something in my hand yeah. unless I'm on the beach. I can sit on the beach or, or hike, but then I'm still doing, I'm still hiking or I'm still. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You can do those things mindfully. Mm, and when we yeah. do that, especially the hiking, it, it really can move you into such a meditative state. It's it's actually quite beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some yeah. of my best processing happens there, I think, oh. possibly because of the movement. It's a combination, I think, of movement and nature and, you know, I don't want to be on my phone while I'm hiking, so it's just it's letting Absolutely. it all tumble out. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And there's something about nature. It just it slows you down. Yes. Just you, you, and I guess that's because we are nature. Mm. We are so connected and we, well, I'm sure you don't forget, but a lot of people forget mm. that that we drink the water that comes from the clouds. We breathe the air that is emitted from trees. You know, mm. when we die, our body nourishes the soil. Like we are a part of that process and just by being outside, hiking and doing those things, that connection does just slow us down and gives us, I don't know, the capacity to to be more mindful, to feel mm. the breeze on your skin, to really see the colours and the shapes and the textures of the environment and listen to the noises and, and all those things. Mm. It is. It's, be- it's such a beautiful way to see the world, I think, like that too. And, and we all yearn for connection and in our heads mm. I think we we only need connection with humans, but over and over again, the research and anecdotally, we need connection yeah. with other animals, as simple as other animals, and and nature as well. And yes. It's one of the simplest ways, isn't it? A simple walk around your neighbourhood. Oh, it really is, and as you said, the research is really backing it up. Where when we're in nature, our blood pressure is reducing, our stress levels are going down, like our body is responding physically to being in that environment, which is just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I could have given up my Thursday Forest Kindy a year or two ago, realistically, yeah. but we've got yeah. an incredible team, an incredible team that could take over our programs and you know, our, our, and just embody our brand and love the children in the space. But yeah. it's just I don't want to give it up because it's my medicine. I go down there and my yes. cup is full and I'm mindful and I can't be anywhere else but there. Yes. Yeah. Anecdotally, I, I know that's the best medicine for me. Absolutely. And it, and it would be for most people, I think, when we give mm. ourselves the permission to be in it, the permission to to really connect. Yeah. And I find if I don't have that weekly habit, and and that commitment, then too easily life gets in the way for me to do it. Absolutely. So it's too easy to excuse my own self-care, and I'd like to touch on that with you as well. Yeah. Um, because, and I, I, I don't think it's martyrdom. I think it's partly laziness. <laughs> <Because, laughs> <laughs> we have no judgment there, I want to say. No judgment, no. no, no we all have our in. moments. Yeah, <laughs> we all have our moments. And there's <laughs> compassion in there as well. I, I hold nothing against me having those lazy moments. 
Um, And it's the human experience. That's right. But also being fully aware that I know that that's the best thing for me. So can we talk about self-care? And and that's, like you said, intertwined with self-compassion and how that can help make our experience as a human so much better. It really is. So to experience real self-care, you can't actually really embrace it until you embody self-compassion, until Mm, you start rewiring that nurturing inner critic, that nurturing inner monologue, until you're mindful and can see clearly and embrace the notion that to be human is to be imperfect and we're going to have those hard experiences. Mm. And that really leads to true holistic self-care. Self-care isn't... um, getting a massage or having a coffee with a friend. And I mean, that absolutely can be a part of your self-care routine, but self-care mm. is the things that really keep your cup full and they're not always the fun things. Yeah, like, that's it, so true. Not, not. <laughs> I mean, self-care is, exercise, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yes, that too, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> But it's, you know, we're thinking about our financial health, our emotional health, our intellectual health, um, our environment, our social and family connections, physical health, spirituality. Like our life is all-encompassing and we need self-care to be happening in each of those areas. So it is, it's setting that budget. And I don't know too many people that enjoy doing that. (laughs) But when you set the budget and you follow it, suddenly you're achieving your savings goals and maybe going on a holiday or buying that new car. So empowering, right? It really, Mm. really is. And and when we stick with our goals, like set that budget, achieve those goals, as you said, it's empowering. We get the confidence to do more things. So we might start then looking at our intellectual health and we're like, okay, well, I've started kicking some goals through my self-care regime, I've really been interested in learning how to, I don't know, um, start a bonsai garden or build a building or become a zookeeper, whatever it is. (laughs) You then start having the confidence to think, okay, well, maybe I can study. Maybe I can find the time to make this happen. Maybe I can do that. There are just different things for everyone because we Mm. are all different, unique individuals. So it's about looking at all the areas of your life, having a think about your values and what's actually important because if you're someone who really values travel over family, you can make those decisions about your self-care regime that enable you to focus on travel over family or vice versa. It's really, that's where the mindfulness component comes in, where you can see clearly within yourself to know what's important so that you can set you, your self-care baseline and have those things that, that aren't all fun. Some of them definitely will be. Yeah. But those unfun things like the budget really do set us up for long-term success, long-term self-care. 
And I think that you you just nailed it in that last sentence. It is long-term self-care. He says the yes. massage is great. Still go ahead and do that if Absolutely. it's within your budget and that you're Absolutely. not going to feel remorse afterwards. Mm, yes. Yeah. And go out for dinner with your friend, but also mm. make sure you're looking after is, is your space at home, no, no matter the confines of your, mm-hmm. your privilege and your upbringing, what can you yep. bring to that space so that it feels like a sanctuary? That, that could be removing toxic relationships. That might be the first thing to go from your environment. So. Definitely a hard one, but an important one. But, yes, but that's what self-care is. And mm. I think we're just marketed to in a way that self-care yeah. is the luxuries and it's just not. I mean, yeah, no. parts of it. Mean, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's interesting. It, it baffles me. Well, that's marketing, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. But, it does. Yeah. Perhaps part of our self care is turning some of those marketing streams off. I, for me yes. personally, we haven't yes. had mainstream TV on. We can actually we can still access it. It's actually on the TV, but mm. the kids don't know that, and that doesn't mean that we don't dip into it occasionally. But it's mm. been the best thing for my mental health, and particularly my body my self-image my body image yes yes because there's no one telling me that my body is wrong and needs fixing every day all day everywhere I look because you know we're pretty lucky on the sunshine coast we don't have huge amounts of billboards and even the radio is not not as visual when it comes to body positivity but putting not buying magazines and turning off the tv has me so much more in love with my body Oh, with your body, with your mind, and then you can connect to it. And yes. really that self-compassion comes through. It's it's amazing. I couldn't agree more. And like I am really concerned for our young people with social media. And I just, oh, one, I'm eternally grateful that it wasn't around when I was young and silly because, yes. well, <laughs> we, don't need, yeah, we don't need those memories. But I do, and, and I have boys and... I don't know. I was quite naive in thinking that um, body image and uh, all those kind of issues were predominantly female-based, but they're not. My boys are only eight and nine and they're already commenting on different things. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, you do not need to lose weight. There's like literally not an ounce of fat on your body. Like, yeah, and we've got the opposite. I'd like to get some more muscles. I'm like, you're yes. seven. Where, where is this idea of masculinity coming know. from? We don't even have mainstream TV. No, but it's messaging uh, everywhere, isn't it? It is. It is. And um, it, it is concerning. And I guess all we can do is set an example for our children because, you know, lead by example, which is what I try to do. I definitely don't get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. But by trying, because we know our children learn by watching, not by what we're telling them to do. <laughs> Mine certainly don't. <laughs> it seems <laughs> it. <laughs> so they'll, they'll do the opposite of what I ask them to do. But they do. They notice the things that I do. And one of my nine-year-old actually said to me the other day, he goes, Mum, why do you love meditating so much Mm. but you still read books about crime and it's like oh they're really observant like they're really really observant about everything and just trying to set that example of self-compassion of self-love not in an entitled way or a selfish way but in 
a nourishing way that helps you show up for yourself, helps you show up for your family. I think, I don't know, I'm really trying to set a great example for my children in that way and just hope that they have that with them regardless of whatever media messaging they come across in the future, that they've at least got the seeds planted that there's a different way to do life. Yes, yes. I think that's it, isn't it? Rather than listening to that, you know, the bombardment of messaging that they get is that they've got these Mm. role models around them that are doing things differently. Even, you know, humanly, you know, we're still making mistakes, but the best thing my parents ever did for me was role model just pure acceptance of their body, not love, not hate, not it just wasn't a thing. It was just beautiful. This is a vessel and it and it helps me do this. And there was no vanity around it for either of them. And gosh, I'm so um didn't didn't realise as a child, obviously, until I was a parent myself, how powerful that has been in my yeah. own self-image and so grateful for that because gosh, we we can tear ourselves apart in this beautiful vessel that we have and ultimately, gosh, we just need to be grateful that it works at all. What <laughs> 100%. 100%. If we have our health, if we have a body that is functioning, it is just such a blessing, mm. such a blessing. And, and I guess we need to practice that gratitude. Yeah, practice yeah. reminding ourselves that yes, this is a great body. No, I don't look stellar in a bikini, but that's okay. Yeah, but I our children still... think we we do look stellar in it because yeah. we're, oh. you know, we're the cuddle monsters and the you know yes. the love of the heart. Yes, and mm-hmm. isn't there just? I know I I try and avoid ego boosting things, but if my children say, "Geez, mum, you look pretty today," I'm like, "Oh." Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. But they genuinely, genuinely say these things and they're things that I probably wouldn't think on my own when I look in the mirror, but it's just beautiful. Like kids are just, they're such a blessing, such a blessing. They are. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any tips on... This self-compassion, if we go take it back to its root, like you were saying about your inner critic, we're yeah. running uh, an online course at the moment called Wild Business and when we talk about people's biggest blocks into starting, you know, why haven't they done it on their own? What is their biggest block? Now, even now they've, they've purchased the course, they're in it, what is their biggest fear? Mm-hmm. And most of their blocks, they're really honest and they're, and they're self-aware, it's me, I'm my biggest block, oh. my inner critic, um, it's my self-worth, it's my... Uh, my belief in myself to be able to do these things. And I just think many of these, mainly women, are educators. Mm-hmm. Most of them are mothers. So to me, they're, you know, they're more highly qualified than terrorist hostage negotiators when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> communication skills and yep. emotional intelligence. And I think, gosh, I would hire any of these parents, any of these mothers in a heartbeat based purely on the fact that they're parents and the skills that they bring to the table because of that. Where are they getting this inner critic from and how do we become aware of it and then how do we start to turn that negative into acceptance? Into a positive, yeah. So Mm -hmm. our inner critic starts forming from the day we're born. And Mm -hmm. if we think about our very first emotion when we're born into this world is probably fear. 
Mm, I mean, we can't oh, remember. We're coming so out sad. of this. Oh, it is. And hopefully, hopefully your second is compassion and being embraced and love and and all those beautiful feelings. But the very first thing we would experience is, whoa, what the heck? I've gone from this warm, comfy, (laughs) safe place into the world. So, you know, we have that fear experience straight up in life. So it sits Mm. there. And then as children, we interpret things sometimes differently to how they're intended. So Mm. uh, the way we're raised. So, for example, I was very much uh, kind of children should be seen and not heard kind of. And, and, you know, my parents were just doing the best they could, nothing against them. But it instilled in me a sense of my voice shouldn't be heard. Whatever I have to say can't be a message that can be helpful to others, which is, of course, ridiculous. But we interpret the messages. Oh, so common. So, so common. Absolutely. And if we are going to a school and, you know, kids can be cruel, right? So, so cruel. And if you're picked on, if you, um, anything, you know, kids, kids are so cruel. You're fat. You don't have friends. You don't have, and none of that is true, but as a child, we believe it. Someone's saying that to me, that's crushing and it's coming in Mm -hmm. and it's landing and we're holding onto it. And so then we start looking for things that reinforce those beliefs. So I'm not smart enough. Oh, well, I got to be on my test. So I'm not smart enough, even though that's above average. And then yeah. you go through to like it, it, but it is, it's these things. We we start skewing the way we look at the world to reinforce these messages that weren't true to start with. And the way we're reinforcing them isn't even accurate. And it just really builds up. It does. There's layers and layers and layers. And it's when we start doing the healing work and practicing mindfulness so we can see clearly and we can go back and look at past experiences and go, oh, hang on a sec. I thought I wasn't smart because I got a B. Hang on a sec. That's above average. Yeah, it's (laughs) like, whoa, hang on a sec. And it is. It's we're reframing everything from our past. And I really, really love there's a Buddhist philosophy and it's a RAIN process um, and it's an acronym for recognise, allow, investigate and nurture and it really helps mm, us like work through those. Oh, I love it. I really, really love it. So the first step is to recognise. So our inner critic and you're so lucky that the the ladies in your program are recognising that these are the messages coming through because that is absolutely the first step. The second is to allow it to be there. Like they're really uncomfortable things. And we know that when we need to be vulnerable, there's this inner urge to go, oh, that's not nice. I'll just forget that. I'll push that to the side. I'll push it down. I'll just ignore it. (laughs) And yeah, absolutely. And we all do it. We all do it. But when we allow it there, we get this increased capacity to really see it for what it is. We're not ignoring it. We're not just reinforcing those old messages. We're giving ourselves the opportunity to see that, oh, that B's not so bad. 
And then once we can sit with those emotions, we can investigate our past and, oh, that is uncomfortable. It is (laughs) not fun at all because we have to be so vulnerable, so open-minded, so willing to feel the feels because it all comes back when we think of past experiences those emotions come through right and it it is it's uncomfortable work but when we do that investigation that's when we discover oh hang on a sec that b wasn't so bad b is actually great Mm. and then we can start rewiring those messages to be more accurate to be more loving and then sometimes there are experiences that need that nurturing, that last step in the um, RAIN process is to send love and compassion. So we have experiences in our past where we weren't responsible for the things that happened, horrible things can happen, and they need nurturing. They need love. They need the voice that they needed to hear at the time those things happened. And we need oh, to be that powerful. voice. Oh, mm. it, it is. and. And I guess there's two parts of that. It's practicing telling yourself those things, actually getting the vocabulary to say, I see you, I feel you, you didn't deserve that, I'm here for you. It's really being able to articulate those things, but then it's also receiving those words. Yeah, I think a lot of particularly women find it really hard to fully accept those words. Oh, definitely from other people and from ourselves. But it's what we need to do to let that healing happen. And then once that healing happens, suddenly we're not reacting how we once did. We start responding in the way we want. And those self-compassion tools, you know, we've rewired that inner critic. We're starting to think positively. We're knowing that if we make a mistake, that's okay. That's a great learning opportunity. I'll just get up and do it differently next time. We're being mindful, we're seeing clearly, and we're knowing, you know what? Failure, hard stuff, it's a part of life. It doesn't define who I am. It is not who I am. It's just a human experience. Yes, and I think that's the message we we try and portray across forest school everywhere is we're just scientists down here. A, there's no grading, so first of all, that that goes out the window, so you can't judge yourself based on an arbitrary grading system. Perfect, yep. But but B is that scientists don't make mistakes. You know, everything that happens is to get to the end goal of whatever they were testing. So, or you know, we do make mistakes, but mistakes are just learning it. Mistakes are a beautiful thing here. They're not a bad thing, but... How else can we bring that in? You know, forest school's great, but it's, it's definitely an isolated little bubble of beauty that I, that I love. Yes. <laughs> and I want to bring that into the broader scheme so that, you, like you said, when we get a C or a D and we know that that's quote-unquote below average, how can we reframe that in our mind to prevent the negative self-talk from perhaps someone that struggles in the academic mainstream sense or I enjoy soccer but I'm not very good at it so I'm not going to play anymore or you know whatever the messaging is in their heads how can we help our children with that yeah and it's definitely I find it much harder to um, work with my children through these processes and I, I still am working through the processes with them in the hope that I'm planting seeds yeah but kids are they are 
they they don't have the walls up that adults do to do the work softly. Like they go all in, <laughs> like they go all in. And I mean, that's great. It's beautiful, but oh, it makes it so hard and raw. But I think it all comes down to the awareness of what we're saying to ourselves. The awareness that, oh, I'm not good at soccer. I'm not going to play. It's the awareness that that's what I've said and being mindful, is that what I want? Is not being good at soccer, does that mean I can't play or does it mean that I can play and have fun? Is there another angle to, to come at that? And it's just practice. It really is just practice because we get in the habit of those negative messages. We get in the habit of listening to them. So it's just changing that habit. So rather than just listening to them and believing them, we're listening to them and questioning them. That brain process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's just not believing what we're thinking. Mm. We're not our thoughts. We're not our feelings. But it does take practice. (laughs) <laughs> it does, like it really does. we can plant those seeds now I feel like and I heard your radical acceptance of your parents that you've obviously and saying say, exactly the same I've been through that process myself of recognizing yeah. and I'm at that point now where I've nurtured that and said they did the yes. absolute best they could with what oh. they had and I'm so grateful for the life that they provided yes uh, with, with the knowledge that they had knowing full well that I'm hoping that my, my children can think the same in 20 years' time yeah. and, and not have a deep yeah. of, of what we put them through. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and I say that all the time. It's like I'm raising my children very differently to how I was raised and how my husband was raised. Yeah. I'm sure we're making a whole lot of different mistakes. That's like right, I, absolutely. I, I don't think. But I think in my essence, I've come to believe that every single person on the planet is doing the best job that they can with what they have. 100%. Mm-hmm. Everyone is, is doing the too. best they can. Yeah. 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 So even between people, the generational trauma and the cycles oh, and yes. the abuse and the, and the climate of the world, yes. it, it's, it's actually a miracle that we're as healthy as a society as we are. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and that we and we are we're doing a, a pretty darn good job considering I think yes there's lots we can do and there's lots we can improve on but I think we are it's, it's a slow cycle to break yeah mm. there really is and I think we're really really blessed to be in a time when that healing work is becoming more and more accepted I think yes we are very lucky to live in this time when when healing isn't frowned upon and it's really encouraged and we can accept that it needs to happen and it's going to be uncomfortable, but but it's worth it. Yeah, and that, that information is accessible. I mean, our parents had no idea what trauma-informed care was. Like that wasn't no, a thing. not at all. Years no. ago. It was barely a thing five to ten years ago for the, you know, most of us. So yeah, I just yeah. think that the, the tools we now have access to and the information we now have access to Oh, it's just wonderful and, and can only be a good thing in as far as healing and emotional intelligence mm. goes. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. I agree oh, 100%. Percent. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much I want to chat to you about, but I'm also aware of time constraints. So let's get stuck into our rapid fire questions. Here we go. 
What's your favourite book, Candice, of all time and why? Or, because I know it's hard to choose favourites, what are you currently reading that you think might be important to share? I actually love and have reread several times The Power of Awakening by Wayne Dyer. He is phenomenal and I find myself, whenever I feel a little disconnected, unjolted, I read this book and it reminds me of the work I've done. It reminds me of what I can be doing mindfully and compassionately to live the life that I want to. So that mm. that's it. That's it for me, The Power of Awakening. I love um, that you can see your journey when you go back to it. You can, oh, yes. That you can go, oh, yes, I've, I've moved from here to here. That's yep. it, 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 I think it's empowering. It is and I think to me part of that whole self-compassion process is breaking those those big scary things whether they're goals or yes. whether they're your healing into those small achievable tasks yes. to make them achievable so that you can see that progress in them and that then leads to the empowerment so yes. that's that'd be my only tip from this from me because it's not my area of expertise oh, would just be small you. small goals tiny tiny things I think you're more you. You sound like you're quite well equipped, actually, in the self compassion department. So you should hang your hat on that. That's a good one. I'd like to thank my parents for that. (laughs) All right. Where do you go? What do you do to reset after a tough day, whether that's in the office or just a rough day? A rough day. Usually, we get the kids and go for a walk. So not far from our house, we have a little lagoon. There's just a little track beside it. The kids skim rocks. I feel the breeze on my skin. The kids pick up sticks and who knows what a stick can be anything, right? Their imaginations (laughs) are phenomenal. But it's just, it's a reset. The kids are connected. I feel connected. It just decompresses everything. Going for a walk outside. It really is so simple and I know it and yet when I'm in the throes of things and, you know, children are having a hard time, it still is not the thing that pops in my head as a tool until I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, why didn't I do this half an hour ago? Or the whole just add water, you know, do you want to shower? Should we go fill a bucket up with water? I I need a process in my head. Maybe I need to put it on the fridge. When in oh, doubt, it's, it's a hard one. Yeah, and and my kids never want to. They're like, oh, I don't no, want to. So but it's like, but as soon as I get them out there, they love it. So it like, snaps, oh, doesn't it? Just instant. Yes. Change of state, isn't it? I think it is. It, it literally is a change in your state. Yep. Yep. Mm. All right. I think that's going to be my my takeaway from today is to put that on my fridge. If if in doubt, Excellent. take them out. If in doubt, take them out. I think you've just come up with a bumper sticker slogan. (laughs) Done. Next minute social media post. (laughs) Yep, done. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) All right, here's our loaded question of the rapid fire ones. If you had to choose just one thing to change about the education system, what would it be? Everything? (laughs) Yeah. Is that is that an answer? Absolutely, it is. It is. And what what makes you say that then? No, I I am so lucky. My children go to the most beautiful school. The teachers are phenomenal. They have really embraced a growth mindset. They meditate every day. Like I am so blessed. 
Would you like to dob the school in or is it, I understand privacy-wise you may not, but in, in a best like, well, way? It's, yeah, it's St Peter's in Rockhampton. Sorry, it's a small school, small Catholic school. It's I honestly just feel so privileged to be able to send my children there. I'm going to give them a class. It's not often we get that. So well done, St. Peter's. Oh, absolutely. The The only thing, and it's not the school's fault, it's the curriculum. It's mm. too much, too early. Prep in our school is yeah. very play-based, but still it's nice. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then it is it's a big I don't jump know. from kindy to, to prep. Oh, it is. It really is. And I think because mm. I really tried and, and did send my kids to play based kindies and, you know, play based learning, the transition to school, it was a, it was a big one for them. And yeah. boys sitting down, like it is not something that they naturally <laughs> do easily. Like it's really just not. And I, I just think, <laughs> I think I just, I, I don't know. That's, that's mm. just for me. I just think it's too much too early. Yeah. I, I think that's a great place to start if we were to transform the system, because I don't think reform's going to work. I think it needs to be no. completely transformed and it needs to start right from the, and I don't mean bottom, I mean from the early years yeah. from the start. Yes. And it just yeah. needs to be more, it needs to come from the children. The children know naturally what is good for them. They're they so do. good at seeking they what they need. They really we are. Could, they really are. take a leaf from them (laughs) and I just think about like when we were chatting before about the messages from our childhood like there's a message of pressure and expectation on them from from day one in the school school system and I'm like well where is that going to lead and I don't know the answer but I feel like it's probably not all good no I think if you're sitting in the A's from prep in year one you're getting validated and reinforced. But if you're not, even if you're getting the Bs and the Cs, mm. Yes. Mm. yeah, there is a messaging no matter what you say, no matter what you tell your children and the teachers tell your children, the messaging happens anyway. Oh, it does. They're so cluey. They pick up mm. everything. Mm. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It shall happen. <laughs> Maybe not now. Oh, no, but hopefully for our grandchildren. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and last one, last of all, where can we find out more about the Kindness Couch? Absolutely. So on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at the Kindness Couch. On Instagram, I have a little underscore underline at the end of mm-hmm. the Kindness Couch because some cheeky devil had taken the kindness oh. couch well, <laughs> don't you hate when that happens <laughs> yeah, 20 different handles and it drives me nuts <laughs> yeah it, it, i know it gets so confusing and then my website is just the fantastic beautiful thank you so much for joining us today candace it's oh. i found it really cup filling and nurturing myself and i'm inspired to go put a message on my fridge i'm inspired to reopen my meditation app that has sat dormant through this very busy period of my life because you've inspired me to get that habit back because i know those daily habits are what get us through those 
busier really or fuller are. or more difficult mm-hmm. times. So thank you 100%. for the gentle and compassionate reminders. Thank oh, you for your radical acceptance. And yes. thank you for the work that you do because that old Mother Teresa saying or Teresa saying of, you know, to change the world, go home and love your family. I, I think oh. the first part of that is loving ourselves so we can love our families. Definitely. Definitely. And then the ripple mm-hmm. effect is real. It really is. Yeah, it really is. That's how we don't pass on those generational cycles. And I yeah. think that's that's mm. the real work. That's the tough mm. work. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much, Nikki. It has been an absolute delight speaking with you. And likewise, thank you for the work that you do. Such yeah. a need, such a need. <laughs> I, I love that um, it seems that our, our boys, think both of us, have uh, split us open and made us both reassess where we're at and, and oh, make us live yes. more authentically. I think what mm. a privilege it is to to listen to that inner voice and um, follow it and trust trust that it knows what it's doing. Trust. Yes. <laughs> or just go with it even when you don't trust it at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Really? This, is, this is what you think is going to work financially? I know. <laughs> it's seem funny to... how it happens, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. But I think um, the, more, the more I do this, the more you can hear the passion in people's voices and, you know that they've, like you said, they found it. They found that niche yeah. within the niche within the niche of, oh, yeah. there's my values, there's my alignment. And that's, that's it. It's not something you just wake up one morning and go, oh, that's oh. what it is, let's go. It's No, took me almost 40 constantly. years, but, <laughs> but I got there. <laughs> but 40 years of listening to the voice and testing and saying yes and saying no and, and yeah. listening to that intuition and that voice and trusting it. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. uh, thank you Candice I hope one day uh, we'll get to meet in, in, real, in real life as uh, Bluey would say for reals oh, what a breath of fresh air I don't know about you but I feel like I came down about five notches just from being in Candice's presence even over the internet She just exudes this calmness and mindfulness, this authenticity and compassion. And I know that I'm going to treat myself straight after this episode to one of her home retreat subscriptions because I know I'm one of those people that needs to form daily habits by way of these kind of outward commitments. I only get out in nature regularly because it's part of my job. I only get incidental exercise because of my job and committing to kicking the soccer ball around with my sons. Otherwise, things like choosing to exercise are actually hard for me. Same with meditation. I know that it's great for me, and I'm hopeful that this box will give me the little prompt and, look, I'll be honest, the dopamine (laughs) to prompt this habit to actually become a daily habit. I know how good, in theory, these practices are for me, and even anecdotally, but I'm also self-aware enough to know that my commitments need to be things that are in my face and absolutely unavoidable to make me do them because I'm really good at talking myself out of doing things, especially in the morning. So it's kind of like, have you ever seen that meme where someone's grudgingly going for their bloody annoying walk in nature for their bloody mental health? Well, that's me. It's like the only way I can grudgingly commit to doing all of the things I know are good for me and my physical and mental health is by making them as fun or as ingrained in my daily life as I can. So let's see how I go with this one, but I'm really hopeful. 
And as a bonus, Candice has kindly offered to all our listeners that subscribe to her home retreat boxes this month, a bonus home retreat this month. So now is the time to get on it if that does appeal to you in any way, shape or form. And if you'd like a little inspiration to help form a daily nature habit with your family, why not head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash free dash downloadables to get your free 30-day adventure play printable and challenge your family to a month in nature. As always, we love doing this journey with you. Until next week, stay calm, stay mindful, and of course, stay wild.